you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to episode 80 of By the Book. Glad you're listening. We are in a very important series. I believe with all my heart, it's one of the most important things we could talk about today. And the series has to do with living victoriously. And I want to tell you there are too many people, too many Christians, who are angry. They are bitter. Uh, They are living in the past. And whatever happened to them, and of course, everybody has their own life. Everybody has had their own experiences. But whatever has happened uh, cannot destroy people the way it's destroying so many. Uh, I know of people who talk about things that happened, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and they're still living with it, and they're still uh, in anguish about it. And they have never moved past it to get the victory that God intends us to have. And so uh, I'm glad to be speaking on this subject matter. It's a burden to me. I've often said that uh, anybody could be bitter. Anybody could be bitter. Why? Because everybody has had trial and trouble and heartache and problems. But on the other side of that, nobody has to be bitter. You don't have to be bitter. People you know don't have to be bitter. There's a challenge in Philippians chapter 3 that talks about uh, forgetting those things. I think it's Philippians 3, forgetting those things which are behind. And there's a place for that. Uh, you can't you can't live in the past. Uh, you can't live in the past victories and joys and successes. You can't live back there. You have to live for today and and for tomorrow. And you also have people who are living in the past of the heartaches and the problems and so on. You can't live back there. So Paul has a good exhortation for us uh, when he tells us to forget those things which are behind. And and when we do, it's Philippians 3, when we do forget those things, we set those things behind us, we don't live in the midst of those things, we don't let those things destroy us and defeat us, we can then press on, as Paul wants us to do and God wants us to do, uh, press on to uh, the higher things, the better things, the eternal things, the things of eternal value. So where are you? Now, you may not have thrown in the towel. If if you had, you probably would not be listening to this podcast. But you might be very discouraged and very defeated. And uh, you and I have to get by those things that can take us down. We've talked about Job for the last few episodes. And I want to remind you of this, that God made it clear that all that Job went through was without cause. And that's important because sometimes God does have to, uh, I hate to use the word punish us, but sometimes God has to deal with us if we have sin in our lives and we won't get it right. Sometimes he has to deal with us in, uh, in harsh ways. But I want to tell you, 
in my study of the scriptures and my observation of of life. Everybody goes through trial. Most of those times, most of those times in the life of the Christian, it is not God punishing them for some wrong that they did. And many, many people think that way, and I can understand why they think that way. I've had things in my life where I look out and I say, boy, did that happen to me because of some failure in my past, some sin in my past? Well, I always tell people this. I tell myself this, and I I tell others this. If you are going through hard times and you think it might be because of something you did and therefore God is punishing you, I want you to know this. If that's the case, God will convict you of the particular matter that needs to be dealt with. God will not leave you hanging like, well, maybe there's somewhere in the past. If you don't have something on your mind, you say, well, I did this. Maybe this is what it is. If you can't look back to something that you did, then uh, don't think it's back there. But at the same time, if there is something back there, you say, I know I did this. I know I did that. Well, confess it. Get it right. Get it behind you. If you know what it is, then deal with it according to the scriptures. And I want to say to you, and I'm getting off on a tangent here, but because of some recent situations that have been brought to my mind, I I feel like I want to say this too. If whatever it is in the past was only in you, you might have had feelings about somebody else, or you might have had anger. You don't have to go and and, uh, tell everybody that. And you certainly don't have to go to somebody and say, I want to tell you that, that for years I really haven't liked you, even though you think I've liked you. You don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. If you've offended somebody, you've done wrong against somebody, then you go to them and you deal with it. But if this is all about the the internal struggles that you've had, confess it to God and deal with it. Uh, I know of a situation recently where where someone, for whatever reason, felt compelled to go and open up some secret to somebody that involved that other person that that nobody else would have known about, and yet they they were convicted for some reason, they had to go and and tell them. They didn't. And I'm not going to go off any further on that tangent, but the point is, if you have sin that somebody knows about, deal with it, confess it to them, make it right. If it's sin within yourself, deal with it before God, get it right, but don't live back there and don't automatically assume that the trials and difficulties you're facing now are somehow the punishment of God. Most of the time, again, as I see in scripture and I see in people's lives, most of the time, it the hard times are not some kind of punishment. Well, then you might say, well, then what is it all about? Well, that's why we're that's why we're dealing with this series. And if you were with us for the last few episodes, you see what happened in Job's life. And again, I want to emphasize, God said that all he went through was without cause. He didn't do anything that made him deserving of the heartache and the trial and the trouble that he went through. Satan was trying to destroy him. Satan was trying to turn Job against God. 
And many times when difficulties come into somebody's life, that's what happens. They end up turning against God. They doubt God. They question God. They get mad at God. You and I cannot live there. I think I mentioned in the last episode, if when things go wrong, you don't turn to God, where do you turn? So with all that in mind, I want to open the scriptures to Hebrews chapter 12 in this episode. And I've spent enough time in preliminaries here. I don't know if we'll get through it in this episode. Might have to come back to it before moving to another passage. But I'm going to be taking time in upcoming episodes to continue to deal with this matter of of living in victory. You and I have to live in victory. And here, the way we put it is living in victory by having a, uh, a better perspective and by uh, looking for the, the purpose, looking for what God might be trying to do in our lives. So we come to Hebrews, and I hope you have your Bible open. If not, I hope you'll get back and open the scriptures later. But in verse 5, the writer is addressing, of course, the whole letter, the writer is addressing Jewish people who had gotten saved, And they suffered for it. They were persecuted for it. And if you read the whole book, you understand that for a while, they were handling the pressures well. They weren't getting defeated. They were looking with an eternal perspective. They knew things are going wrong here, but boy, heaven is going to be so much better. And I might suffer here, but I won't suffer there. And they they had an eternal perspective that was carrying them through the hard times. Now, the reason the letter is written is because they got to the point where they were defeated. So now they're in trouble. Now they're struggling. Now they want to quit. And so the writer is writing to say, don't quit. Let's talk about this. And that's what we want to do today for your life and for my life. Let's talk about this whole experience of difficulty. So in verse 5, the writer says this to his readers. He said, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. So he's talking to believers who had some knowledge of the scripture. They were Jewish believers. They had knowledge of the Old Testament. And the writer says to them, your problem is there is an exhortation in the scripture and you have forgotten it. You are ignoring it. Well, what was the exhortation? Well, it's written in the book of Proverbs chapter 3. You would find it in your Bible in Proverbs 3, verses uh, 11 and 12. And here's the exhortation. Listen to it. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, I want to focus some time on this exhortation. The writer is going to go on and apply it to the the Hebrews. 
but I want you and me to think about the exhortation itself for a few moments. So here's the exhortation, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Now, what is chastening? Well, that term is rooted in the idea of the training of, of a child. And the writer is going to make reference to that a little later on, but I want you to think about that idea. Uh, many, many children today are not being trained, but you know that if you're going to have a child to grow up and and be the kind of person he ought to be, that he needs to be trained. Well, sometimes a child can despise the chastening, the training that he receives. He doesn't want to be disciplined. He doesn't want to be corrected. Uh, He doesn't want to be stopped from doing what he wants to do. And so uh, often coming along with that training, then there are disciplinary measures that are are taken. And so here's the statement from from the the passage in Proverbs. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't despise the training of the Lord. If you're saved, you are a child of God. You need to be disciplined and trained. Don't despise that. We may not like what God does. That's what this passage gets into but we need to see it for what it is. And then he says, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. The term faint, don't give up, don't quit. The term rebuked here comes from the Greek term that is often translated properly with the idea of reproof. It's not, it's not punishment, it's, it's correction. Children need to be corrected. Uh, not simply from wrong words and wrong actions, but just the wrong pathway. They need to be brought back to to do what is right. Well, that's what God does in our lives, and that's the the foundation of this passage of Scripture that we're looking at. Again, if you are a born-again Christian, you are a child of God. He is your heavenly Father, and He wants you to be the person He wants you to be. And to get you there, to get me there, there's going to be chasing, there's going to be training, there's going to be uh, discipline, as it were, for God to get us where we need to get. Now, the problem is that we can kind of get angry with that. We despise that. We don't like that. And then we can get to the point where we quit. We quit on God. No, I'm not serving God anymore. Look at all the things that have gone wrong in my life. And so you're not reading scripture, you're not praying, you're not in church, you're not being what you ought to be. Now that's the warning that leads us into this passage. Now listen to verse 6, because this is a powerful testimony for you and for me. Verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Sometimes people get the idea that God allows things to go wrong because he doesn't love them. If God loves me, why would he do this? If he loves me, why would he let this happen? Listen, it is the very testimony of God's love that he will discipline and train us and help us to mature 
spiritually. And the hard thing is, as we're going to see, is that the training experiences can be hurtful and can be difficult to bear. But he says, I want you to know something. This training that you're going through, which brings trial and difficulty, is because, listen, because God loves you. Not because he is mad at you. Not because he isn't faithful. Not because he doesn't care. You are his child. He is going to train you. He's going to make you into the person he wants you to be. I wish more parents today would get hold of this truth. Because when we have children, we are responsible to train them. So listen to verse 7. If you endure chastening, if you endure the disciplinary work of God, the training work of God in your life, if you experience those things, God dealeth with you as with sons or children. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? So it is not uncommon for the Christian to go through the training, chastening experiences. It's not unusual for Christians to have hard times. Sometimes they are hard times in circumstances. They are hard times dealing with people. It might be sickness. We don't know what it's going to be, but we do know this, that if you endure the chastening, it's because God is dealing with you as with his own child, because that's what you are. And then the question is asked, what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Now, that's a good question for today, because there's a lot of men who have children, and they don't chasten them. They don't discipline them. And we might ask, what on earth is going on? Why wouldn't a father discipline his own child? Why would we not expect God to discipline us. And when I use the term discipline, I'm talking about helping us live a disciplined, trained life. Verse 8. Now, here's a challenge. If you be without chastisement, oh, you never get chastised by God. God never does anything in your life to train you and challenge you and change you. Well, the writer says, if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, every true child of God goes through the chastening experiences. So he says, if you be without the chastisement, whereof all, all of God's children are partakers, then guess what? That's the evidence that you are a bastard and not a son. That means that you are really not the child of God. You are illegitimate. That's the bastard, the illegitimate child. If God doesn't deal with you because he is a faithful heavenly father, he is going to train us. If God isn't doing that in our lives, it's actually a testimony that we don't belong to him. And then the writer takes us on. He's laying the the foundation for his discussion here. See, So he says in verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. 
They didn't let us go the wrong way. They didn't let us do the wrong thing. They didn't let us speak the wrong way. They corrected us, and we gave them reverence. We gave them respect. Sometimes that's lacking today. It's more the father's fault than the child's fault, I would suggest. But the writer says we had fathers of our flesh. They corrected us. We gave them reverence. Question now. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? If we gave respect to our earthly father, how much more should we give respect and reverence to our heavenly father when he is training and disciplining us? Now, verse 10 helps. Helps me a lot. It's a challenge. Verse 10 says, They, talking about our earthly fathers, they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. Let me put that in simple terms. Earthly fathers don't always do it right. Earthly fathers sometimes make mistakes. Earthly fathers sometimes overly correct. Earthly fathers sometimes don't seem to really care. They're disciplining and correcting more for them to have peace and quiet than for the well-being of the child they're correcting. But verse 10 goes on, and this, this is serious business. This is solemn truth that you and I have to get hold of because I don't know where you are today. I don't know whether things are going well for you right now or whether you are in the midst of turmoil and trouble and heartache and problems. But here's what the verse goes on to say. But he, earthly fathers don't always do it right. God always does. He always does it right. But he, God, for our profit. Think about that. Think about what you've been through. Think about the challenges and the heartaches and the troubles and the problems, maybe the people that hurt you, the people that failed you, the things that didn't go the way you wanted them to go. And behind it all, a God who is all-powerful, a God for whom nothing is impossible, a God who could have changed the experiences and changed the circumstances, but did not. And again, we ask, why did God do that? Why did God allow that? And then here's the writer who said, I want to tell you that underneath everything you and I have ever endured is a God who says, I am doing it or I am allowing it, not ultimately to hurt you or destroy you. I am doing it for your profit. I want to ask you something. Think about some of the things that you've been through, the things that have hurt the things that still linger, the things that you still think about, the things that still take you down. Have you profited? Have you profited from those troubles, 
trials, heartaches, and problems? Have you profited? Did you learn what God wanted you to learn? Did you grow through that experience, as hurtful as it may have been? Did that experience drive you to God? Or did it take you away from God? Listen as the verse goes on. Last part of verse 10 of Hebrews 12, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Oh, man. I've been in this text so many times in my life, for my own life and for the ministry to others in counseling, in preaching, and teaching, and so on. God says he allowed it or did it for our profit. And then a part of that profit, a part of that profit, is that we might be partakers of his holiness. Holiness. What is holiness? Holiness is to be separate from sin. Holiness is when you reject sin and sinfulness. Holiness is when you separate from the bad and you separate unto the good. And that is behind whatever God has done or allowed in your life and my life. And the question is, did we profit? Did we turn to God in those difficult times? Did we come through those times with a greater holiness, a greater desire to live for God, a greater hatred for sin? Is that what it did? Or did the experiences so defeat us that we still can't get by? We still live with the hurt and it defeats us and perhaps has come close to destroying us. Life is an amazing experience. Life for the Christian is an amazing experience. And I want you to know that if you and I cannot somehow get by these hurtful experiences to ultimately profit, to ultimately learn what God wanted us to learn, then we very well may be destroyed. I know people who can point back to something in their life, and that is their excuse for walking away from God. Now, whether some of these people were ever saved or not, I don't know. But I know that some of them have totally walked away from God. They don't worship God. They don't profess any love for God. They are, in fact, on the other side, often attacking God, attacking the Scripture, attacking scripture uh, Christians. And yet, at some point, they would tell you, I think, that they had made their profession of faith. And maybe not. Maybe they would deny it at all. But I know that many people in those situations, have had a profession of faith at one point. But wow, totally defeated on the other side now. Again, attacking God, attacking Christians, 
attacking the Bible, attacking Bible truth. It's a tragedy. Now, again, it may be that when they stand before the Lord, he'll say, I, I never knew you. Maybe. There are certainly those who make a profession of faith, but have never come to a true possession of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. That happens. But I want to tell you this, the reason passages like Hebrews 12 are written are because there are Christians, true Christians, true children of God, who face hard times and they come out the spiritual loser. They don't turn to God. They don't run to God. They don't come to the point of having a greater holiness in their life. But in fact, they, they walk away from God and God's people and God's book. Now, again, I'd like to think that that's probably not you today or you wouldn't be listening. But at the same time, you might be listening and you know this, that you've been through trial and heartache. You've had your times of tears. You've been forsaken by people and let down by people, whatever it might be. And you are a Christian, but you're just not living with the joy of the Lord, to say the least. Well, verse 11 is helpful, and I'm only going to read it, and we're going to close this episode. But here's what verse 11 of Hebrews 12 says. It says, now, no chastening. The childlike discipline that God gives us. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. And you might say, no kidding. But grievous, nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. If you don't have your Bible open, I hope you will get it. Open up to Hebrews 12, 11, read the verse and answer this question. Is this happening in my life? Is the chastening yielding righteousness in my life? Or has the chastening destroyed my heart for God? Made me angry? Maybe made me bitter? We'll talk about it more next time. Lord bless you.